Sangin Podcast would like to appreciate everyone who has listened and watched our episode. On behalf of the podcast, we would like to encourage every one of you to follow and subscribe to us using whichever medium you choose to listen to us. This increases our outreach and makes us bring bigger and better guests for amazing stories. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sangin Podcast today joined by the amazing Dennis B. Zinia Jr., who is an emerging diplomat, a businessman, and a founder and CEO of Deep Tech. Mr. Dennis, you're welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Sunny. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, so for someone who may not have known you or heard of you, who is Dennis and the work you do? I'm Dennis and uh, a Liberian candidate for a PhD in politics and foreign relations. I study at the uh, Tsinghua University in Beijing. Um, outside of academics, I, I serve as General Secretary for Asia Affairs at the Economic and Trade Cooperation of African Youth in Beijing. Uh, Entrepreneurship-wise, as you've mentioned, I am uh, fortunate to, to lead a small startup that provides pseudo modules for rural areas in Africa. Okay, okay, okay. Um I'm so much intrigued of that part of your work in Africa, China, youth. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, we shall come to that. Um, but if someone takes a clip, uh, a glance at your social media, let's say at your Instagram, usually your Instagram stories, you're, you're highlighting more um, international relations and diplomacy. From say, it's like you're posting AU, mm-hmm the African Union, the United Nations and their works and everything. Mm. So I suppose you have an insight on the global diplomacy situation. Um, what would be your, your take on the current affairs in terms of peace and diplomacy? Well, uh, that's an interesting question. I think uh, there are a lot of things going on in the world right now. And of course, good and bad things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there are good and not so good ones. But uh, the obvious Russia-Ukraine conflict uh, has had impact on greens and energy prices in many parts of Africa, and uh, especially those areas that are dependent on Russian oil products and uh, as well as Ukrainian uh, agricultural produce. And this this, this obvious uh, U.S. and China tension, uh, which has made uh, many analysts a bit skeptical about the future of global peace and uh, even the the success of joint climate actions, uh, given that the PRC and the US are two major uh, decision-making powers of the global climate, uh, uh, climate change uh, scheme. And uh, back in our own backyard in Africa, we see Guinea, Gabon, Burkina Faso, Mali, among others, uh, who have had uh, coups, uh, replacing the civilian governments with uh, military ones. Yeah, so um, all of these issues, yes, they are happening in and out of Africa. There's no way we can we can uh, sort of like separate from them, affect us indirectly. But there are also good things that are happening, you know. Uh, Kenya just hosted the Africa Climate Summit. I was uh, sort of impressed by the resolutions that were reached, including the total $23 billion pledge uh, made towards discovery, uh, nature-based, um, solutions, you know, this sustainable agriculture and uh, disaster risk reduction. 
Also, um, as you have seen in the news, Africa just got a permanent seat in the uh, G20. And that's very impressive and a good sign for, you know, Africa. BRICS was held and on a rather international stage, we, we observed the 78th United Nations General Assembly in New York, right? And we saw these remarkable speeches from top world leaders. Uh, but I was sort of uh, particularly touched by the, the speech made by the Secretary General Antonio Guterres, where he, he cautioned the G77 nations to fight for a world that works for all of us. I found this very important because uh, many times developed nations uh, tend to adopt this one-size-fits-all kind of approach to global challenges and just reminding us and, and reminding the world that not all nations, you know, uh, enjoy this luxury of convenience uh, was very crucial. And I also like that he, he, he amplified the importance of the Better Way Initiative, which he termed as a good model for economic cooperation. So on the overall year, there's, uh, there's a lot of things happening, you know, like that, the, 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 the global news is, is packed with a lot of things. Um, but um, it, it, it just shows our complex world, and, which is not perfect, but uh, things are being managed. And I hope that uh, diplomats and world leaders will keep uh, the dialogue and these peaceful engagements amidst this global complexities. Yeah, um, I want to ask this question. Are we more tending to a world of globalization or in terms of the world of nationalism? Because me personally, I think we're tending to nationalism. <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, that's a very uh, complex topic to go around. I guess I guess we can discuss that for, uh, say, a week or so. Because um, um, I think globalization itself has sort of um, polarized nationalism. You know, um, you can't be too nationalistic if you want to be uh, you know, part of the global community. There is always a give and take, you know, there's always a trade-off. So I think countries are leaning more towards uh, this, 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 this international integration uh, rather than just saying, oh, okay, um, we are better on, on this side, you know, our country is the best and just sort of projecting your own importance on other countries like this. So I th I th I think the world is going to lean more into globalization. Yeah. And there's that thing you said about Africa. Um, recently Africa got a seat at the G20 mm -hmm. African Union. I mean, and then BRICS it added more African members, Ethiopia and uh, Egypt. Um, do you think by Africa being included in these organizations, there's a benefit for the common man on ground, or it's just on paper? Well. I think um, whether it is is it is the issue of representation or you know actual impact, um, both are both are beneficial for Africa, because gone are those days where uh, you know the international community were making decisions for Africa. Now uh, Africa is 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 projecting herself to want to be in the driving seat of these decisions that have been made because one way or the other. Uh, you know, we are affected by these international decisions that are being made. So for me, just the representative uh, part is, is a big thing because uh, to make a change, you have to be on the table. 
if you're not at the table, then it's like other people are going to decide for you. In terms of economic benefit, I think, yes, it, it, it provides a lot because um, when you are at the table, you negotiate with other nations who have had uh, success or successes in uh, development, like maybe uh, joint research, uh, you know, like economic uh, cooperation. So, so yeah, it provides a lot of potential for Africa. We should not just see it from, you know, the the international grouping part. I wish you see it from a more, you know, like a uh, uh, potential standpoint. Okay, 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 nice. Um, so then tell me about the that your solar company is providing solar solutions to parts of Africa. Well, um, as for DTEC Solar, um, so the the idea of uh, of the company was was actually birthed out of the need to support the sustainable development goals. As you know, we have 17 goals and uh, of the 17 goals, I thought that, uh, I thought about what could be my own contribution to the SDGs. You know, so I picked SDG seven, uh, which has to do with clean and affordable energy for all by 2030. And I believe uh, uh, the goal seven has a relevance to my country, Liberia and Africa on a larger scale. So um, um, I'm pretty sure we've seen in uh, the news, according to the International Energy Agency report, you see that over 43% of Africa still lack access to stable electricity. Um, with my own region, West Africa, you know, uh, being one of the most <laughs> affected. So DTEC Solar is, is, is basically a, a, a solar startup that designs green and affordable uh, sustainable um, energy models for small medium power users in Africa. So we've been fortunate to to to, to we've been fortunate to help uh, off-grid rural dwellers gain access to electricity uh, in several West African countries. And uh, solar is, is 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 an efficient way to to get uh, like um, electricity to parts of Africa that are not on the grid. Of course, of course, and uh, this has been remarkable for. For our continent, um, um, apart from us, there are a lot of you know innovations that have been tailored to helping the rural areas. For us, we are engaged with the rural areas more because these are the uh, the places that are affected and uh, which have no no or limited access to electricity. So there are some places that government funding cannot reach. Say, for example. Um, in my country, you have uh, those who live far away from the city and 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 they're into these rural counties. Um, they they have not had electricity before. So what we do is that we we design these affordable modules uh, in terms of the pay as you go uh, modules, and then take these small modules uh, there for them to use. Some people just want the simplest things out of uh, electricity maybe to charge the phones, to put the lights on for the kids to study and go to school. You know, just a, the everyday essential, not to even watch TV. So for us, we, we're we really passionate about uh, seeing it that everyone has access uh, to, to, to affordable electricity. There's that, uh, there's, there's that statement that I, that I used to see when it comes to solar in mm. Africa, that if we put solar panels in the whole of the Sahara, it can mm. light up the whole continent. <laughs> that's possible though i i guess uh, uh those from uh elon Musk or who yeah but that's possible i think these are some of the projects 
that uh, uh, you know leaders need to start looking at. If we can galvanize our resources and 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 put it behind these sustainable um, energy projects, I think Africa can be energy secure, and uh, we got a long way to go on that. Okay. Um, I would I would suppose that since you're dealing with the solar, your views on climate change are we go green. Um, mm -hmm. what's your current view on how Africa is going through that the green movement and climate well, change in the continent? Yeah, the the green movement. Um, um, my take on that. Um, actually, I should say thing with the trend the world is taking now you know, the global climate change and uh, some of the impacts that are already being felt in uh, specific regions and countries, I think is, is something we should take seriously because it is not just the issue of Africa or the issue of, 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 of the Americas or anywhere else, it's the issue of the entire world. And uh, going green, um, though it is a good idea, I, I personally think that um, there there needs to be more done. More needs to be done in in areas of um, helping developing countries and you know, sort of like uh, um, acquire these technologies to go green. I say, for example, right um, in most part of Africa, we don't have access to electricity, right? So, and then um, even pushing the message alone to convince people, hey, we need to go green, like. Some some senior citizen in Africa will ask you, what are we going green from? Because actually in the villages, some people haven't even seen light. So lights that uh, electricity that is generated from the conventional form of energy, say uh, the diesels, right? Maybe coal, and you're telling them to go green. So like they haven't even had energy using the conventional form of generation, and then you're telling them to go green. So it's a bit hard to convince people. So, but I hope that uh, you know we can leapfrog because Africa has had uh, some success stories, especially when it comes to technology. Uh, for me, I uh, when I was born, I didn't use the telephone, but I got the mobile phone in my hand. So I think there is a, a, a huge potential for Africa, and I look forward to you know Africa leapfrogging from you know, no conventional energy to green energy like this. Yeah, but uh, for this to happen, we have to put more of our resources, our energy into, uh, you know, realizing this dream. Uh, but um, Africa, when it comes to the climate talk, there's a lot of inequality because uh, we pollute less, but we suffer more. Yeah. And uh, we, when it comes to those climate summits, we're usually telling them the global north, to pay up and compensate and they they don't. And um, they usually set their targets by 2050, so be carbon neutral by 21. Mm. But we've seen that sometimes they don't stick to by those uh, targets they set. So yeah. you as you as your take, um, how do you think we can pressurize the rest of the world to enforce this climate action? Mm. So the thing is, I think um, for, African perspective, I believe the major thing is just engagement, engagement, you know, because actually there has been few sort of uh, partnerships that has been done. Recently, my country, Liberia, signed some, a few billion dollar deal with the, I think the UAE on the the, the, the forest conservation, because uh, they want to do this sort of, um, sort of, say, carbon 
emission balancing. Also, the idea is the UAE produces a lot of uh, carbon emission, and they want to sort of like uh, balance that with the green forest in Liberia. So they are telling you to not cut your forest down, you know, like you should preserve it because you obviously produce uh, oxygen for for the um for the world. So um I I think uh there isn't a way we uh, we could sort of like go to war with these guys on uh, climate actions, but we should just continue to engage because yes, Africa produces less than five percent of the global greenhouse emission. And uh, it is not really us that are producing, you know, like the pollution and stuff like this. Um, it is the uh, to a larger uh, 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 to a larger percent the global north, and uh, so we can keep engaging them and get them to see reasons for which you know they should they should stick to the commitments. You know these pledges, the big big pledges they are making. You know because or, or indirectly we are also impacted when it comes to say agriculture and stuff like this. My next. If not, one of my final questions to you would be, um, what would be your message to the African youth? Well, my my message to to African youth uh, has always been, um, you know, just uh, advising us to to stay innovative and uh, proactive in 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 the building of our dear continent. You know, um, like I always tell fellow youth that regardless of our fields of study i mean no matter what we we are doing as a profession you know we we should we should think about africa because um um even if we try to consider the the sdgs right there 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 are several goals say if you're in the education field yes you're indirectly doing sdg4 if you are into maybe hydrology some sort of uh water engineering you're doing six and if you enter to the energy and uh, electrical engineering, perhaps you in seven. So everything that we do, we should look at, you know, at least one sustainable development goal and, and, and try to align that with Africa. I think by doing this, we all can contribute to the growth and development of our continent, regardless of our profession, our field of study, our age, or if we're even outside of the, uh, outside of the continent. And as someone who has, uh, you know, been in China and also had an insight on the diplomacy world. Um, what's your take on China-Africa relations? You know, a lot has been said, mm. but what according to you, what what's your take? Well, um, I would say the relationship between the PRC and Africa is one we can term as solid for now, because uh, in spite of the the impact of the pandemic, uh, we're doing well in the areas of infrastructure development and economic cooperation, and some good examples. Uh, or the dedication of the African Center for Disease Control in Ethiopia, and also FOCAC, um, the focus on China-Africa cooperation, continues to serve as a wonderful platform uh, where we can discuss relevant issues surrounding our multilateral relations. However, I I hope we could improve in areas in some areas, you know, and uh, especially the area of. Uh, people-to-people and cultural exchange because uh, it is evident that uh, there is a gap in, 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 in Africans understanding Chinese and, and Chinese understanding Africa. And I'm glad that uh, there has been some great efforts made towards the launching of some undergraduate degree programs in African universities. Uh, 
to be taking these Chinese language and culture. Um, just last week, as I saw in the news, Kenya and Liberia also signed this agreement for such uh, uh, education in their respective universities. And another area uh, perhaps that I think that we should, we should, we should focus on more um, is the area of joint research and innovation. 